grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Sunday of Easter is found recorded in the book of Acts chapter 1 beginning at the 15th verse. In those days when the group were numbered about 120 people, Peter stood up among the brothers and said, gentlemen, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David about Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Judas was counted as one of us and was given a share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with what he was paid for his wicked act. When he fell head first, his middle burst open and all his intestines spilled out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem. And so in their own language, that field was called a keldama, which means field of blood. Indeed, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his residence be deserted, let there be no one dwelling in it, and let someone else take his position. Therefore, it is necessary that one of the men who accompanied us during the entire time that the Lord Jesus went in, that Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from his baptism by John until the day Jesus was taken from us, become a witness with us, of his resurrection. They proposed two. Joseph called Barsabas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. When they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take the place in this apostolic ministry from which Judas turned away to go to his own place. Then they assigned lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was counted with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 John chapter 4, beginning at the 13th verse. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We also have come to know and to trust the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. In this way, his love has been brought to its goal among us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are just like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but complete love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who continues to be afraid has not been brought to the goal in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For how can anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, love God, 
whom yeah. he has not seen. This, then, is the command we have from him. The one who loves God should also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning at the second half of verse 11. These are the words of Jesus. Holy Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I kept those you gave me safe in your name. I protected them, and not one of them was destroyed, except the son of destruction, so that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I am saying these things in the world, so that they may be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so they also may be sanctified by the truth. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is the gospel according to John chapter 17. Once again starting at the second half of verse 11. I'm going to read these words once again. These are the words of Jesus that he spoke to uh, his disciples on the night he was betrayed. These are the words that Jesus would pray, and this is only a small portion of them, uh, as he prayed for his disciples. Holy Father, protect them by your name, which you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I kept those you gave me safe in your name. I protected them, and not one of them was destroyed except the son of destruction, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I am saying these things in the world, so that they may be filled with joy. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, it was 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead. He has taken his disciples outside the city of Jerusalem, crossed the valley to the Mount of Olives. Here he would oftentimes go, and in fact even the Garden of Gethsemane is found on that beautiful mountain. But it was here that the Lord chose to ascend back into heaven. We are told that he raised his hands above his disciples and then was lifted up until he was lost into the clouds. An angel, an angel would come and, and tell the 
the disciples that were there that this same Jesus you see going up into heaven will come back on the last day and he will return. Now when Jesus raised his hands, we are told that he was blessing them. Now did he say anything to them as he lifted his hands to bless them? Quite frankly, maybe the lifting of hands is the blessing in and of itself and the encouragement that the Lord was watching over them, this King of kings and Lord of lords. But I wouldn't be surprised that Jesus actually spoke to them and we just don't have those words recorded. But even if he did not, I don't have a doubt that they had in the back of their minds this high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed on the evening before he died on the cross for the sins of the world. That evening, Jesus will be preparing his disciples not only for his pending death, but he will be preparing them for his resurrection as well as his ascension back into heaven. In fact, his entire prayer printed in John chapter 17 can be divided into three parts. The first part, Jesus prays for himself. The second part, Jesus prays for his disciples. The third part, Jesus prays for those who will come to faith because of the message that his disciples will proclaim. Our section is smack dab in the middle, and it is part of his prayer to his disciples. And to sum up what he prayed for his disciples is beautiful. It is simply protection. <clears throat> He begins the prayer by saying, Holy Father, which is very similar to how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray when he taught them the Lord's Prayer, which we say almost every Sunday. Our Father, we say. We pray to the Heavenly Father knowing that he is the Father who sent the Son and the Son who gave his life for the sins of the world. Holy Father, he will pray, protect them. And protect them from what? Well, later he will make it clear. Protect them from the evil one, from Satan himself, that evil angel, who would love nothing more than to destroy God's people. He would love nothing more but to keep people from coming to the faith and being saved. He is a roaring lion looking to devour. And the method that he uses is always the teaching. You can save yourself. Do it yourself. It's all about you. You become God. Live for yourself. He would love nothing more for us than to follow the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he does this using the language of lies. So it is not surprising that in Jesus' prayer we hear this. Protect them by your name. The name of God is everything that he reveals about himself in his holy word. It's not just a title. His name is everything. And when it comes to that holy word of God, Jesus himself describes it as the truth. It's not one true statement among many. It's not one philosophy among many. It is the truth. 
which means it is the absolute truth. Anything contrary to the truth would be a lie. We do not look at this world through the eyes of the world. We look at this world through the eyes and lens of the Holy Scriptures and what God says. Protect them by your name is to protect them by that holy word, the very word that Jesus himself used to protect his disciples when he was here. And you could actually say, if that was good for Jesus, then it is certainly good and great for us to cling to that holy word. Jesus said he used that word to protect them. And none were ruined except the son of destruction, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. Some people take these words to think of Judas as not so much a son of destruction, but rather a son of hero. That he was destined to betray Jesus, so he's actually carrying out God's will to betray him. He should really be honored and praised for his faithfulness in betraying Jesus. But that's not how Jesus describes it. He says, son of destruction. Please do not confuse our Lord's omniscience of knowing the present and the past and the future all at once. Don't mix that up with the fate of Judas. Remember, all of the disciples betrayed Jesus. And they came back and repented. But Judas, he went instead and hung himself. And as Peter put it, he went to the place that he belonged because of his wicked act. It was unbelief why Judas died and ended up in hell and why he is called the son of destruction. Those words remind us that when it comes to our condemnation, we can only blame ourselves. We can't point to God and God made me do it. If we end up in hell, it is because of our own selfishness and unbelief. And by the way, the opposite, when it comes to heaven, we can't take credit ourselves. We can't brag and boast about ourselves and thank God I'm not like other people. We can't say that. We are by nature sinful human beings who need a Savior, and it is because of our Savior, because of God's plan of salvation, and through faith in Him, which is even a gift of God, we are saved. In other words, salvation is to God's credit and God's glory, and we can only praise Him for it. So why protect them by your name? Why? Certainly to protect them from Satan and an evil one. But here Jesus specifically says, so that they may be one as we are one. The Father is certainly one, and Jesus is one in essence, but they are also one in purpose, one in God's holy word, taking God at his word because it is their word. And so what makes us one? Even though we are many different people with many different cultures, growing up with many different experiences. But the one thing that unites us, the one thing that holds us together, the one thing that, that, that 
that ties us together as brothers and sisters in the faith is the Holy Word that proclaims that faith in Jesus Christ. Protect them. Because Satan would love to divide and conquer. And it is the word that unites us as disciples and Christian soldiers. And not only protect them by your name so that they may be one, but also so that they may be filled with joy. See, when Jesus that evening was arrested and captured, he would be interrogated and abused and attacked. The next day he would be nailed to the cross under the order of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the area. He would suffer and die. Even the disciples themselves on that first Easter were not filled with joy. They were filled with sadness because of hopelessness. The Savior died. If he died, then there's no salvation. If he died, then he can't be really the Savior. Then he was probably just a good guy like one among many. But he couldn't have been that good because he died. But when Jesus rose from the dead, that, that sadness turned to joy because that joy turned to hope. Hope that the Savior lives. They heard the promise, because I live, you too shall live. Jesus opened the scriptures to them. And then they saw how all those fingerprints of the Old Testament prophecies pointed to Jesus alone and matched him perfectly so that the very Savior is the only Savior. They were believing in the right one, and Scripture pointed to that fact. There was no more doubt. There was no more wondering. The Savior lives, and therefore the very Savior who lives ascended back into heaven, which is also adding to our confidence and chasing away any doubt. Because if Jesus ascended into heaven, we don't have to wonder, is the work really done? See, if he stayed, maybe there was more to be done. Maybe we're missing something. But with Jesus ascending back into heaven and even preparing a place for us, interceding for us in our behalf in heaven, even ruling the universe for the good of the church and the saving of souls, resulted in joy for those disciples and joy for us as we cling to the Holy Word and the truth that it proclaims. But that wasn't the only part of the joy. There was also joy in proclaiming his holy name. Jesus said in his prayer, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. These are the marching orders. This is the Great Commission. Jesus sending out his disciples to go and baptize and teach the people everything that he has commanded. The very word that you and I cannot live without. And we march out, yes, as Christian soldiers. Now, I did not grow up in a military family. On my mom's side, there were pastors and teachers. On my dad's side, there were all farmers. And, and, and my great-grandfather, Charlie, he was actually a cook for the loggers on, on the north end of Wisconsin. 
So I didn't grow up in a military family. But since I've been here in Colorado Springs, I have found it a joy and an honor to meet military families and people who have committed themselves to the freedom and safety of this country and the families who have supported those military soldiers, especially at the time of training. I'm wondering how many soldiers came home daily complaining about training. Because every day you train, we don't simply hire volunteer soldiers to simply go into battle right away. We prepare them. We equip them. And we teach them how to use the equipment and to use it well. And so you will train. And you will train again. And when you get sick and tired of it, you get training and more training. When you're ready to quit, you'll get training and more training until you can do it even in your sleep whatever you need to do. And that's true of a Christian soldier. We need training and to continue to train. And oh yes, even as Christian soldiers, we find ourselves complaining. I already know this. I've already heard this. But hear it again. And hear it again. And take it to heart where it becomes second nature. That holy word of God as you not only take it to heart, but as you proclaim it to another. March on, my dear fellow Christian soldiers, armed with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and do so as Christian soldiers who pray, and join Jesus in praying for protection as well, as we cling to the Holy Word, Realizing that word is one of the greatest blessings of this life. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.